0: Well, Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 is the portion of scripture that we've been kind of studying this thought out of signs and seasons. And here in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, this is what the Bible says. And you can turn there. I'm reading from the New King James Version if you want to read along with me. But this is the story that we've been kind of working out of. And this is what the Bible says here it says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, I'm sorry, that's a little further down than I want to go. 51. 51, where are you at, 51? Okay, now it came to pass, I'm sorry, I had to switch between the master's app and my Bible app. Now it came to pass, when, now, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village, and they went to... Another village. First thing you see in this story is something very interesting. It says that when the time had come, Jesus set his face. What it means is there, there's there's a shift in, in in season. There's a shift in the seasons. And we can really determine this shift by the way Jesus handled this part of his life. He was much more matter-of-fact than he had been in the past matter of fact, as Jesus is making this journey towards Jerusalem, some people come to him and they ask to be his disciple, and he, he, he confronts these people with some serious questions because he, he says, yeah, you can come follow me, and the one says, okay, I'll come follow you, but hold up, I need to go bury uh, my, my, my dad. And, and Jesus looks at the guy and he says, uh, let, the, let the dead bury the dead. And I think that's a very interesting statement because at one point in Jesus's ministry, he probably would have said, okay, actually, let's, let's go visit your dad. And Jesus might have even walked in the house where his dad was and laid his hands on him. And this, this was a mark of a portion of Jesus's ministry. He would go out of his way, it seemed, to go to people's houses and to do miracles. But in this case, it's, it's interesting, Jesus doesn't just just comfort the man, he doesn't even say any good words towards the man, he just says, hey, let the dead bury the dead. And, and I've always been confused by this, like Jesus, do you have no compassion? Well, what was happening was, was, it wasn't that Jesus had lost compassion, it was just that Jesus had entered into a new season. And you have to recognize the season change in your lives so that you know how you need to interact with the people and the situations that come into your life. Because there are some seasons in your life where you can just sit back and you can take your time, but there are other seasons where you need to get busy and you need to get to work and you need to recognize the season that you are in because sometimes a door is open and opportunity is open and you have to take advantage of the opportunity while the opportunity is there. See, I know this about God. He will give you an opportunity, but will you give yourself to the opportunity that God gives you. Can somebody can somebody say amen? Because sometimes it's like we're wondering, God, what are you doing? God, why aren't you opening any doors? And God's saying, I've opened the doors. This is just a different season. This requires a different level of intensity and focus than the previous season. You can't just stumble into this door. You're going to have to press your way into this door. See, I don't know about you, but there are some Sundays I can't come to church and just listen to the music and listen to the message. There are some Sundays I come in and seasons in seasons of my life where I got to get on my knees and I got to press in a little bit further. Does anybody in this room know what I'm talking about? Talking about Maybe you're in a season like that right now where you come to church, and you're not coming to church just to to check off the box, I came to church today, but you came to church on purpose, for purpose, because you need something so bad from God in this season that you don't care how long the worship is, you don't care what song they sing, as soon as the first note hit, you are pressing in because you need something from God in this season of life. So Jesus, the Bible says, set his face because the time had come. He set his face. He made a decision. He made it a decision. He was resolved in his decision. He was resolute in his decision. See, you are a you are a decision away from from stepping into a new season. Yes. Amen. See, this is this is why I think it's so funny that the church gets so caught up in, in a new year. Because I don't need it to be 2020 for everything in my life to change. I don't, I don't need the timetables to tell me, hey, it's 2020, it's a clean slate. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to wait until December 31st to get excited about the future that God has for my life. The Bible tells me he makes his, brand, his mercy brand new every single morning. Every day I get the opportunity to make a decision that can shift me into a brand new season in my life. I'm a decision away. I'm a decision away. I'm a Sunday away from deciding this is it. I'm a a moment away from saying, devil, not today, not now, not ever again. I'm a decision away. I'm a moment in God's presence where I say, enough is enough. I'm not going this road anymore. I'm not going this way anymore. I'm not making that decision that way anymore. I have decided to follow Jesus. I don't know if there's anybody in this place today who's decided to follow Jesus. But man, it gets me excited to think about every Sunday, people are making decisions that will change the course of their life. I tell our team all the time, we can't, we can't have an off Sunday. We can't afford to have an off Sunday. Why? Because somebody is at a point of decision. They are at a place in the road. They are at a place in the road where they're going to go left and they're going to go right. They're going to go the wrong way or they're going to go the right way. And we have to make sure that we bring our best because people are making decisions about their future and about their family. There have been people that have sat in these seats and said, today I'm decided I'm not leaving my wife. Today I'm decided I'm breaking up with that person. Today I've decided I'm not leaving that job. Today I've decided I'm not walking away from that situation. Today I've decided enough is enough. And somebody in this room needs to make a decision today that enough is enough. I have decided I will not live in the place of indecision. I will not live in the place of indecision. James 1, through 6-8 says, But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought, to, not, ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Most of the time, we don't receive because we can't make a decision. God said, I can't, I can't give this to somebody who's living in indecision. I need you to make up your mind. I need, I need you to make up your mind about me. I need you to make up your mind about your situation. I need you to make up your mind because there's something I wanna do, but I can't give it to you until you make a decision. Can't do it. First Kings 18 and 21, Elijah came near to all the people. He said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. They were stuck in indecision. And sometimes we're like, man, that, that's a pretty clear choice, right? God or Baal. That's a pretty clear choice. Isn't it amazing that even when the choices are clear, we still get stuck in indecision? Even when the choice is right and wrong, we still get stuck in indecision? And God says, listen, when you know what's right, you better do what's right. You need to make up your mind. Whew, Revelation said, listen, I'd rather you be hot or cold. But because you are lukewarm, it makes me nauseous. It, 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 not only is it unsettling to you, it's, it's indecision to you, but it's unsettling to my stomach. Because you won't make up your mind. Whew in that wild we cannot live in the place of in decision Whew. so the bible says the time that's why i have to rec- see see some people are like ah oh, it's not important that i see the signs and the seasons caesar's whatever will be will be it is what it is no 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 your life is the result of your decisions Because indecision is a decision. (laughs) Man. So he made a decision. Now watch, this decision was not easy. This was not easy. It's not like, and the time had come and Jesus set his face to go to Aruba. For vacation. Like, I'm not talking about like you need to decide are you going to go to Orlando or are you going to go to Los Angeles for your vacation? Not that silly. Jesus had a tough decision in front of him. This was not an easy decision. Listen to, listen to how he saw Jerusalem. Because sometimes the way you see a thing determines what you decide about it. This is how Jesus saw Jerusalem. Matthew 23 and 27, this is Jesus. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. You were unwilling. Jesus is going to a place full of (laughs) hostile and unwilling people. Man. God is saying sometimes you need to make a decision to go somewhere that looks hostile and unwilling. I'll never forget when our pastors decided to come to to East Tennessee to plant a church. And everybody who had ever tried to plant a church in this area told us, don't go, they're hostile, <laughs> they're unwilling, it's a preacher's, this, this area, it's called a preacher's graveyard, it's where preachers go to die. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Matter of fact, there was one, there was one person that, that thought my, my parents were full of pride when they, when they wanted to start the church, because they said, so-and-so went, and they're better than you. What makes you think? And I'll, I'll, never, for, I'll never forget what, what my dad said to my mom when she said, Richard, if they couldn't, how do we know we can? And what do we do? How do we show? How do we prove to people that this is really what God has called us to do? He said, well, we're just going to be there in 10 years. We're going to still be there. Sometimes you don't know what the future holds. Sometimes the only thing you know is that I've made a decision and where Jesus has told me to go and what God has told me to do and where he has called me to go, all I know is what he's called me to go to. I don't know the results. I I, I don't know how it's gonna work out, but I do know that if he called me there, then the, the, the only thing I know is that unless he changes his mind about where he's called me in five years, I'm gonna be where he called me to be. I don't know what the results are going to be. I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. But I have made up my mind that I am following Jesus. Amen. And you've got to make up your mind. See, this, even this week, Palm Sunday represents Jesus coming. And, and, and on the outside, it looks like everything is good. Because when he comes in Palm Sunday, it's like, hey, praise him. Bless him. Hey, look, it, it's Jesus. He's, he's great. He's to be glorified and then within a week it's it's crucify him it's it's a completely different tone see this week represents the fact that you and I like Jesus have to be willing to follow him into some places that are hostile and unwilling <clears throat> See, this is, this, is, this is one thing we have to understand about God. See, very often God puts us in difficult situations because he wants us in a difficult situation, because we have a solution to a problem that exists in the difficult situation. See, that's why God doesn't just let your life just kind of be this cakewalk because you were not designed to just kind of float through life on a cloud. You were designed to bring change. And so God will bring the agent of change and set them in a hostile and unwilling environment. And we fight it the whole time. We're like, this can't be God. Why? Because it's hard. (laughs) This can't be God. Why? Because it's so difficult. Oh, this can't be God. Why? Because it's so painful. This can't be God's plan for my life. Why? Because I'm suffering. Are you kidding me? The whole thing about following Jesus. Jesus said, if anybody wants to come after me, he must what? Deny himself. Take up a cross. I don't think about pleasure and and, and ease. And when I think about a cross, the symbol of our religion is not a crown. It's a cross. The symbol of our religion is not a bed. It's a cross. The symbol of our religion is not a cloud. It's a cross. It's an instrument of suffering and pain. (laughs) And God says, hey, I need you to set your face because the places I'm taking you to, you're gonna wanna turn away from. The moment you begin the journey, sometimes you're gonna wanna turn away. You're gonna wanna go somewhere else, but you need to make up in your mind that even if I'm being led into a hostile and unwilling environment, that I am in the will and plan of God. It's not an easy decision. Why? Why? Because it's hostile and unwilling. But can I, can I tell you the way Jesus also saw it? Not just as hostile and unwilling, but Jesus saw it the way Revelation describes it. The Bible says in Revelation 21 and 2, it says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as the bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. He didn't just see it as hostile and unwilling. He saw it made new and beautiful. See, and that's what's so powerful about what happened when everybody was saying, hey, don't go there, it's a graveyard. Don't go there, you'll fail. Don't go there. If you want to be successful in ministry, Johnson City, Tennessee, Elizabethton, Tennessee, the Tri-Cities is not where you want to go. It's not not beautiful. It's it's not where you're going to experience all the fulfillment in the world, but they didn't just see it as a place that was unwilling and hostile. They saw it as a place that was made new and beautiful. And look what God has done in the past 34 years in the Tri-Cities region. because. Somebody didn't just see it as it was, but they saw it as it could and will be. See, when you have a vision, you don't just see things as they are. You see things as they should be. When I, when I look at things, sometimes I, I, I don't see just as it is. I see it as it should be. That's why when people come to me and they're like, hey, hey, did you know what this person does? How dare, how could you possibly use that person? How could you possibly let them serve? How could you possibly let them let them teach? How could you, are you kidding me? I, I don't just see them as they are or as they used to be. I see them as God sees them and what they could be and the potential that is over their lives. So if you're gonna come to this church, you're just gonna have to get used to the fact that you're not gonna like some of the people that God uses because you don't see them the way God sees them. it's, 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 it's wild because Jesus, Jesus said, well, they're unwilling (laughs) and they're hostile, but I also see them made new and beautiful. So Jesus begins the journey. He's made up his mind and he's, he's, he, he begins to walk and the journey takes them through Samaria. You remember there was, a, there was a time in in the Bible in John chapter 4 when Jesus went through Samaria. This is the first time Jesus has gone through Samaria. Because Samaria was was on the way to Jerusalem. See, many of the many of the priests and the religious of the day, they would, they would take the long journey around. They would skip Samaria because they didn't like the people in Samaria. But Jesus, one day, he goes through Samaria because before the gospel gets to the rest of the world, it's gotta go through Samaria. And, and in Samaria, Jesus confronts the, the, uh, the racism and the sexism of his own disciples. He confronts it because he takes them into a, into a group of people and he preached the gospel to a woman. <laughs> and, and an entire city that they they hated it was one of the first cities to respond to who Jesus is. That's an amazing thing. Because before, before the gospel gets to the whole world, uh, it's got to get through Samaria. And before you can reach the world that you live in, God has to take you through a Samaria where he gets the bad stuff, the the sexism and the racism and the prejudice out of you so that you can reach a world that is lost and dying without him. Can somebody say amen? Amen. This time, as he's going through Samaria, a city that actually, in John chapter four, they actually asked him to stay. The Bible says that Jesus stayed for two, three days and actually preached in the city. And almost the entire city was converted to Christ, believed in Jesus. So this has happened. And now Jesus is coming through. His face is set to go to Jerusalem. He's walking through a city that has been saved because of his ministry. They've been impacted by him. And as he's walking through, they're they're asking for a place to stay. And the Bible says that the Samaritans said no. Because, watch this. One of the first things that you will face when you set your face is rejection. It's one of the first things the enemy will use when you make a decision to turn you back around. When you finally made up your mind, you're like, I've made up my mind to follow Jesus. And then you walk into the door at your house and you get hit with rejection. You get hit. Are, are you, or are you have made up your mind, anytime you make up your mind to do anything, I'm not going to quit this time. And you walk in and the next thing you know, they say no. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Isn't it? When, and especially when you're rejected by people you have helped and now the people you need help from won't help you. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, have you? <laughs> the, the people that you have, you, have, uh, you have given to and sacrificed for won't help you. That's a serious rejection. That's a serious wound. So I'm amazed at the people of Samaria, that they rejected Jesus. Here's, here's good news for you. Sometimes... I'm gonna give you a sign. Sometimes the sign that you're in a new season is that the people who used to celebrate you now reject you. See, the Bible says this about Saul and David. At the beginning of their relationship, the Bible says that Saul loved David. He, 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 he appreciated him. He was grateful for him. But he was, he was fine with David's success until David's success was more than his. And there are people that are in your life and they will celebrate you until, and <laughs> until everybody else celebrates you. <laughs> They're fine with you as long as you're under them. They're fine with you as long as you work for them. But as soon as you get out from underneath them, they're not cool with you anymore. And, and isn't it amazing how, how, how people are cool with you when they need you? But then the moment, <laughs> the moment that they don't need you anymore, they throw you away. And sometimes people are great with you because you need them. But then when you get to the point where you're like, I don't need you anymore, they can't stand you. And so rejection is a part of the journey to Jerusalem. Anytime you're going to follow Jesus, you are going to be rejected. And here's the problem with rejection. Rejection is a wound. Whether you like it or not, whether you you, you might think you are you are made of of Teflon or whatever it is, or, or you might think that you can't be cut, you can't be wounded. You're hardcore, you're you are you are bad to the bone. But can I tell you something? Everybody in this room, when you are rejected, it's a wound. And watch this: if your wound is not healed, it it gets infected. Rejection is a wound that, if not healed, turns into bitterness. And you. Mm, you start to make room for it because you start to describe what is an infection in your life as a, as a personality. Whew. See, here's the thing about rejection. The rejection may not kill you, but the infection will. The cut, the wound may not kill you, but the infection will. Will. And what happens very often is when we get wounded, we become a doctor, and we are really good at misdiagnosing ourselves. <laughs> Have you ever had something like on your arm or something, or like you felt a certain way, and you go on, on the internet, and you're like WebMD, and you're like Googling, like, bump on lower back, and then all of this stuff pulls up and you have diagnosed yourself. Can I tell you, I don't care how many holiday and expresses you stayed at? You are not a doctor. You should not diagnose yourself. You have misdiagnosed yourself and you are now calling an infection a personality. And you have begun to make an excuse, and you, you're like, you're like, I, I'm, just, "I'm just Irish. I just, I just, I've got a short temper because I got red hair. I, I mean, I, I, I that, so you start to make excuses for your bad attitude. You start to make excuses. I just, I just, only person I trust is me. It's just my personality. It's just who I am. And you start to identify yourself by your wound and you call it a personality. And, and I just want you to understand something that your obsession to fix everything is not your personality. That irrational desire you have to make everybody happy and please everyone, that's not your personality. That part of you that wants to sit on the sidelines and wait for somebody to pick you and choose you before you get into the game, that's not your personality. God didn't make you that way. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That might have been the old you, but that is not the healed you. That is not the new you. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. It's not my it's not my personality to worship. No, no, you you are a new creature in Christ. You, it might not have been your personality, but now that you are in Christ, you have Christ living in you, which is the hope of glory, and Christ is now informing your decisions. Christ is now informing your personality. Christ is now informing who you are. And so I'm not who I used to be. I'm who Christ says I am. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not, I don't, I just, my personality is I just don't like to confront situations. I just, I just want everybody to live at peace. That's not your personality. That's a wound. A wound made you that way. I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the signs of a person who battles with rejection is that they, they just, they overreact. Think, of, think about this. In, in this story, the Bible, Jesus calls James and, James and John in Mark chapter 3, he calls them the sons of thunder. And, and they, they get this, this name because it's James and John here. In, in Samaria who say, hey, hey Jesus, they rejected us. Do you want us to call fire down from heaven and kill everybody? Do you think that's an overreaction to somebody saying you can't stay the night at my house? That's <laughs> just a little bit of an overreaction. But people who suffer from rejection, people who have been wounded by rejection, overreact. It happened in the beginning, in Genesis. God rejects Cain's offering, he overreacts, and he kills his, his brother. See, here, here's the danger, and you're like, Rob, I haven't, I haven't won, I ain't killed anybody. Here, here's the reason I know you're still suffering from the wound. You gotta be careful or it'll turn into an infection. How, how do you know? Because you wanna jump to the end. See, death is the conclusion, it's the final. If, if, you're the, if you're the one in the relationship suffering from rejection, you're the, one that's, you're the one that's always saying, I'm leaving. This is over. I've had enough. You're always jumping to the end. Because of the pain of rejection, you don't want to take the time, you're afraid of what it will take to resolve the problem so you jump to the end. I'm out of here. You're the one jumping in the car, walking away. Ooh, somebody in here is so mad right now. Because you thought, you thought no, I was, just, I, I was just trying to, I was just trying to, I, I was gonna lose my cool. And to, so I didn't lose my cool, I jumped in my car. No, that was your version of losing your cool. I'm out, this is over, this is the end. You're the one who's always like, well, maybe we should get divorced, honey. We're just we're just talking about dinner, like we're just talking about the finances. Like, why are you? This marriage is over, honey. I just I just told you not to not not, not this, this this this. Listen, I, I'm the overreactor in our house. We were we were we were at a we were at a ball game one time, and, and I, I lost my cool, which is normal. And we got we got home, and Monica she she wants to confront me about it. So she says, "Rob, hey, listen, um, um, I I just really think you should work on your tone." And I I said, "Well, maybe maybe we're not supposed to be together. If you don't like my tone, you're gonna have to be listening to my tone for the rest of your life." <laughs> like what in the world? because what does rejection do rejection reveals rejection doesn't make you do anything it reveals what's in you murder was in the heart of Cain murder was in that's why Jesus said sons of thunder you just want to call fire down on everybody this must have been a pattern for Jesus to give them a nickname (laughs) oh man <laughs> reveal, the word revelation just means to reveal what is under the veil what is hidden it's not seen, it's there but it's just not seen it reveals what you believe I was sitting with a person one time and I had, I had asked them I had asked to meet with them and I rarely asked to, to meet with people, but I was, I was actually really impressed with this person. I just wanted to meet with them, sit with them, talk to them, and, and uh, just explain you know, just how grateful we were and how thankful we were for how they were helping and serving in the church. And so I, 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 I had uh, the office call and set up a meeting, and they called back, and they said yes. And, and I get into the meeting, and, and, uh, and they are literally in my office, tears running down their face nervous. And I said, are you okay? Something happened. They said, I'm just, I'm just so scared. You have to remember the last time I was called into my pastor's office. He, he, he hurt me. He wounded me. He told me I wasn't good enough. He told me that God wasn't pleased with me. I'm like, I'm not going to do that to you. Like I'm here to (laughs) tell you how good you've been doing. Isn't it amazing how we can, we can, because of how we've been wounded, we can get into something that is nothing like the thing we came from and we can treat it the exact same way as the thing that that's why very often when people get out of a first marriage into a second marriage, that they end up in a third and a fourth and a fifth. Why? Because they keep carrying the same perspective into a new relationship, and they eventually end up treating the new one like the old one. Why? Because they, they, they just assume that the way it happened here is how it's going to happened here. And so they, they just can't get, so you have to get that wound healed church. Rejection has to be dealt with. It has to be dealt with. It's dangerous. Rejection is because very often you don't hurt the source of your rejection. You hurt the people who love you the most. God rejected him. His brother didn't. Abel didn't reject him, but he killed Abel. Why? Because he was mad at God. How many people have you wounded because you're mad at God? How many people have you taken your anger out on because you're mad at somebody else? How many times have you left work and gone home and kicked your dog and the dog didn't do nothing? But you've got to recognize rejection is not something That God is using to hurt you. It is something that God is allowing to preserve you. When you get rejected, don't get wounded. Watch. When they rejected Jesus in Samaria, it wasn't because they didn't like him, it was because of where Jesus was going. The rejection happened because it was God's plan. Sometimes God doesn't want you to get stuck in Samaria. He says, I I, I rejected that in your life because I didn't want you to get stuck there. I knew if you would have gone through Samaria, you might have gotten comfortable there and spent the night and said, maybe I don't need to get to Jerusalem. Maybe I don't need to go to Jerusalem. But I turned you away at Samaria because I need you to get to Jerusalem. See, you have to understand something. Sometimes you won't leave it, so God lets it leave you. If you're not careful, you'll be so wounded by rejection that you'll let people who are in the grave. Some of you, your parents aren't even here anymore, and you're still letting them control your life. We put the power of our life. Every time we get we, we let rejection wound us, we put the power of our life in the hands of the person who rejected us. My life isn't in their hands. And, and now watch this. This is, this is the wonderful part. Because here's the thing about rejection. In one season, they're the people who turn you away. In another season, they're the people who are giving you a standing O. <laughs> if you think about David for a minute, when, when, when Samuel shows up to anoint the next king, he shows up, and David is not even at his own anointing ceremony. He's left out. Why? Because his family doesn't think he's he's the one. His family looks down on him. They despise him. He's out in the field. They're all there thinking they're gonna get anointed, and Samuel says, the king isn't here. And he says, Jesse, do you have any more sons? And Jesse says, well, I got another guy. He's, he's out in the field, but we... We didn't think it would be him. Watch what Samuel says. Send for him because we will not sit down until he gets here. See, because in one season, the people who look down on you, they are now the same people who have to stand and wait for you to come into the room. I just want you to understand something. Rejection is not something that's going to ruin your life. It's actually the thing that is setting you up for the Jerusalems of your life, for the moments of your life, for the advancements of your life, for the next season of your life. Can you say amen? Amen. We stand on your feet today and give God praise that rejection is a blessing. It's a blessing. It's not a curse. It's it's a, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. And if you're not careful, you'll get so caught up fighting fights that you are not supposed to fight that you won't have the energy to fight the ones you need to fight. So we move past Palm Sunday and we move into the garden. And the Bible says that Jesus is praying in the garden and he walks out just to check to see if his disciples are praying with him. And the Bible says that they're asleep. And Jesus is like, hey, can you not at least give me one hour? Just give me an hour. And the reason they can't give him an hour is because they've been trying to call fire. They're still stuck on the people that turned them down. They've been fighting all the wrong fights. If you waste your energy calling fire down from heaven on the people who rejected you, you won't have the energy to pray when Jesus needs you. And, and what happens to us is we fight the wrong fights, and we end up sleeping through seasons we should have been awake for. And we end up resting in seasons we should have been sowing. And we end up going out and looking for a harvest, and there's no harvest because we didn't sow. We slept. We slept. I just want you to know today, you got to recognize the signs and the seasons of your life. It could be that what you think is the end of your life, is the end of your dream, is actually the beginning of a new season. Because watch this, a failed plan is not a failed vision. Sometimes because the plan failed, we think the whole vision failed. God said, no, a failed plan is not a failed vision. Just because Samaria said no doesn't mean the answer is always going to be no. The Bible says at the end, it says, so they went to another village. When you overreact about Samaria, it's proof to God that you don't believe there's another village. But I just need you to know today there is another village. There's another village. Somebody will say yes.